You know, over the years, as being a pastor, it's been my observation that during the Christmas season, instead of people being drawn closer to Jesus, a lot of people at this time actually drift away from him. The focus changes from it being about the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem to things like lights and decorations and, and gifts and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and, and all of those things. One thing that I've noticed is that, that church attendance tends to go down during the Christmas season. Giving uh, tends to decrease during the, the Christmas season. Uh, it's almost like people decide that they're going to take an entire month off in December just to get prepared for all of the festivities that go on during the holidays. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be a Scrooge, and I don't want you to think that I'm going to try to preach against these things, and that's not what I'm doing. I don't have a problem if you have a Christmas tree. I don't have a problem if you have gifts. I don't care if you, if you have a problem if you eating. But I mean, what happens is we can become so busy during this time that we get so distracted that we take the focus off of really what this season is, is all about. And it's important that, that it, during the hustle and the bustle of all that's going on during this time, that we don't allow this to cause us to drift away from him instead of drawing closer to him. Now, when you look at the scriptures, I want, I want to make this statement. Uh, when you look at the scriptures, there are no references or indications whatsoever that the early church actually celebrated Christmas like we do. There's no stories in the Bible that, uh, uh, that in the early church that, that would tell us or show us or, or speak to us uh, in terms of that they celebrated Christmas like we do. And again, I'm not saying that that's wrong, and I'm not saying that that is an issue, that, that it is sinful. I'm just saying scripturally, that's not the way that Christmas was supposed to be about at all. But of course, if you read the scripture, if you read the gospels, you'll find out that, that, that we, we hear hear details about surrounding the birth of Jesus. We hear about the wise men that are coming to give him gifts and the star that was guiding them. We, we hear about the shepherds that were tending to their flocks by night. We hear about the heavenly hosts that are there that are singing glory to God in the highest. But nowhere in Scripture do we find anything like what we have made Christmas out to be, at least here in America. But the closest thing to Christmas as we look at Christmas or as we celebrate Christmas would be something that's called the Passover. Now, I'm not saying that Christmas is like the Passover. I'm just saying that, that in the early church, during the early days, during the time that Jesus walked on the earth, that Christians, that, that the church, that the believers at that time did not celebrate Christmas the way that we do. Now, during this time, they, they celebrated the Passover. Now, the Passover is important because it, it, it's more like of what we would do in terms of celebrating Christmas. The Passover was a religious celebration. 
The Passover was a time when people would travel from near and far. Uh, The Passover was a time when people would come together. The Passover would be a time where gifts are brought and they are exchanged. The Passover was a time where there would be a big feast. So probably the closest thing to uh, Christmas, the way that we celebrate it, would be what they would do during the Passover. But what I want to say this morning, and the point that I want to make this morning, is that what actually takes place after the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 is is significant to us, and I believe has something to tell us about how easy it is to lose Jesus in the midst of all the stuff that's going on. Because the Bible says, and we just read this in Luke 2, starting at verse 41, the Bible says that, that Jesus had accompanied his parents as they do every year to celebrate the Passover. And when he, and the Bible says he was 12 years old. And, and after the celebration was over, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph got up and they began to make their journey back toward home. And the Bible says they had made it an entire day's journey, not knowing that Jesus was not with them. They, they had traveled for over a day. And they just assumed that Jesus was traveling with them. Again, they had come, they had celebrated, they had come, they had worshipped, they had come and they had eaten, they had come and they had exchanged gifts, they had been a part of a spiritual celebration, and as they were going on their way back home, they just took for granted that Jesus was going to be going with them. And I believe this story has a lot to teach us about how easy it is to lose the, 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 the reason for the season, the, how easy it is to lose the, the focus and what this whole season of our life is supposed to be about. In other words, it's very easy to lose Jesus as we come together and we do all of our festivities during the Christmas season. Now, I want to ask a a few questions today, and we're going to answer those questions. And I I want you to not just get these questions in your head and these answers in your head. I want you to get them to uh, and in our hearts because it's important that while Jesus was with his parents during the Passover, that because they were so invested and involved in celebrating this particular event, and that's what you should do during this particular time. But if you are busy celebrating and you are busy doing all of the things and all the busyness and all the traveling that you lose Jesus somewhere along the way, let me tell you something. We've missed it all if we miss him. Amen? So let me, let's just look at this first question here, and it should be in your outline as we talk about the danger of Christmas. And the danger of Christmas is that you can lose Jesus along the way. The first question I want to ask is, who may lose Jesus? Who may lose Jesus? Now, as impossible as it sounds, it was Jesus' mother and his earthly father that lost him. I mean, it was his mom and dad. I mean, how in the world can... Could that actually happen? Besides the fact that this is the Son of God, this is the virgin-born child, this is the God-man, this is God in the flesh, how would it be possible for Mary and Joseph to, to just lose him as they're going through doing what they do every year 
and with, with, I believe, pure motives to try to celebrate the Passover, how is it possible for them to uh, lose Jesus during this time? It says in verse 43, And when the days had, fulfilled, had been fulfilled, as they returned, the, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and Mary knew not of it. It was his own mother and father that somehow become so distracted that they drifted away and, and walked away and lost Jesus in the midst of going on. And if his mother and father are capable of losing Jesus during the Passover, how much more are you and I uh, susceptible to, to being able to lose Jesus during this Christmas season as we get ready to come together and celebrate with our families? Are, are you with me this morning? I mean, if they're capable, if his own mom and dad, if his parents, if it's, if it's possible, I mean, really, I mean, how can, how can you conceive that, that you would lose your own child? Now, I know that those things happen, that those things are, are, are an accident. But, I mean, listen, we've got five children. And when you're transporting five children, it's like transporting serial killers. I mean, I'm serious because, listen, if we're in a crowd... Man, I'm smothering down. I'm patting them down, making sure they don't have any sharp objects to stab each other with. I'm counting them constantly. One, two, three, four, four, four. Five, there he is. He's yeah, he's he's over there. I mean, so so I mean, I'm constantly trying to keep track. You're trying, you know, it's a challenge just to cross the road with five children. You you know that? Listen, it, it, it's a challenge. But you know, if you don't stay focused and if you are not intentional, it would be very very easy for us to lose one as we make our journeys to and fro. Same is true with our relationship with God. Same is true about celebrating Christmas. If we are not intentional about making Jesus the center of everything that we do, then he will just get lost in all of the things that are going on. Now, one of the things that, that we do every single year and I'm not saying that all of my children, especially the small ones, are just thrilled to death that we do this because there's presents under the tree. But before we open up any gift, before we do anything, I make them sit down on the couch and we read the Christmas story. And I'll emphasize over and over and over again why we are doing what we're doing. Now, it's good to see the smiles on their face. I'm, I'm, I, I, it touches my heart to see it when they open up their gift and they get something that they want. But before any of that stuff, before they start tearing any kind of paper or wrapper up, I want them to know what Christmas is all about. And if you're not intentional about that, then it'll be very, very easy for even us to raise our own children thinking that Christmas is just about getting gifts just about eating, just about being festive. But I don't want my children. It's a, serious, it's a serious and a sacred thing that we guard the true reason uh, of what Christmas is all about. So I want to challenge you this year. If you have children, I want you to be intentional about keeping Jesus in the center of it all. If you've never read the Christmas story to your children before you open up gifts, I want to challenge you, do that. You know, j just read it. You don't have to preach. You don't have to expound. You don't have to do that. You just, just read it. Just be intentional. Because if we are not intentional, 
Every single one of us here, including myself, are extremely vulnerable to lose Jesus in the midst of all that's going on. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that. You know, I, I don't want to be uh, a person that, that just gets so caught up in all that's going on that, that when we, after the holidays are over, that, you know, all that's left is just the gifts that we have. You know, life is not about what we have. Life is about who we have. And when we have Jesus, we have everything. It's not about materialism. It's not about being commercialized. It's not about just decorations. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying consider it. Consider what we focus on during this time. And here's the point. The Passover was similar to Christmas. And we'll see in this next point where it was that Jesus actually got lost. Where was it? Where did he get lost? Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that you're beyond drifting away from God? Do you believe that during this particular season that, that, that you are beyond the possibility of leaving Jesus behind once the, the gifts begin to be opened and, and we begin to gather together? Now, I know it's a busy time. I, I know there's a lot that's going on. But let me tell you something. If you forget about Jesus during this time, you have missed the whole point of why we do what we do. You know, there's a lot of people that think, you know what, they just assume that it's okay. They just assume that, that everything is all right. But if you do not intentionally focus about keeping Jesus in the center, we will ultimately leave him behind no different than what Joseph and Mary did. Amen? Now, here's the second question. Where do we lose Jesus? Look at verse 41. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now, where did Mary and jo Notice where Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost Jesus in the midst of a religious celebration, a religious ceremony. They lost Jesus during a spiritual celebration. They lost Jesus, ironically, during the Passover, and the truth is, the Passover was really all about Jesus. In, 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 in other words, everything about the Passover should have been centered around Jesus. But ironically, Mary and Joseph lost him during a season in their life where everything should have been surrounded about and about him. They lost him when they should be focused on what the reason for this time of gathering was all about. They lost him. I mean, think about that. You know, they didn't lose him in a bar. You know, they, they didn't lose him in a strip club. You know, they didn't even lose him at a ball game. They didn't lose him uh, on social media. They didn't lose him on, you know, going to the mall. They didn't lose him in, 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 in bad things. They lost him right in the midst of a spiritual celebration where in reality it should have all been centered around him. That's where they lost him. You know, one of the scariest things to me when I think about this is that it is very possible for someone, for you and for me, to come to church every single week and ultimately backslide on a church pew. Now, some of you, you, you come every week. Some of you, you, you come once a month. 
and you think everything that is, is good between you and God. Now, listen to what Jesus said about a local church in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter number 3, Jesus... Now, here's the context. Jesus is talking to a church, and he is talking to believers. He's not talking about... He's not talking to sinners here. He's not talking about people that are, quote-unquote, far away from God. He's talking to a group of believers that actually thought that they had their act together. They actually thought that, that their relationship with God was in good shape. They actually thought that their spiritual condition was healthy, that God was happy with them, because, of course, they're coming to church on a regular basis. And this is what Jesus said, if you can put that slide up for me, if you, if you don't care. In Re Revelation chapter number 3, verse 17, he says, Because you say that I am rich... And I am wealthy, and I have need of nothing. Do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? He said, the people in this local church thought that they had it together. I've got it together. I don't need anything. You know, me and Jesus... You know, we got our own thing going on, you know. He's got to be pleased with me because I'm coming to church on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have problems in their life, you know. They're, everything's going good. And he said, you don't even know that you're in bad shape. You know, the problem with deception is that it's deceiving. And the scariest thing to me would be to live my life every day just assuming that I was right with God only to find out when I passed on that really I wouldn't. You know, it's a scary thing to think that, you know what, we are actually in a lukewarm, backslidden condition, but in our own hearts and in our own minds, we have taught, told ourselves that we're all right. We're at least coming to church. We're not going to, you know, get too messed up if, if we go to church. And, and the truth is, these people were going to church. They, their relationship with God was not what they thought it would be. My question to you this morning is this. I wonder if yours is. They thought their relationship with God was good. They thought it was all right. They thought they had it together. Now look at verse number 20 here. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, what door is he knocking on? A lot of times we quote this when we, 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 we refer to it and use it in terms of evangelism. But in the context of what that was written, he's not talking to lost people. He's talking to the church at Laodicea. And what door is he knocking on? He's knocking on the front door of a local church and he's saying, if any man open. Now notice where Jesus is at. Jesus is not on the inside. Jesus is on the outside. I mean, I wonder if that is what's happening in your life this morning. You might be inside the church, but Jesus is on the outside of your life. I wonder if he's knocking on your heart saying, hey, listen, this, you, I'm talking about you this morning. You know, you think that, that you're all right, that things are fine, but you don't even know that you're lukewarm and that you're backslidden and that you think you've got it together, but in the reality, listen, you, you've not even had an encounter with God in so long, you've become nothing more than just a religious person that just kind of does a spiritual nine-to-five thing. You know, you've heard the st statement before. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. 
is Jesus truly Lord of all your life? And so who's he talking to here? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. Where is he knocking? He's knocking on the door of the church. And I'm wondering if he's saying the same thing to some of you this morning. Can you handle this? Y'all right with that? Are you beyond... Are you beyond being in a lukewarm condition and then not knowing it? Are you beyond the point to where you think that things are good between you and God, but you really not face the music in so long? I mean, when's the last time that you've experienced conviction? What does your prayer life say about you? What does your word life say? say about you? You know, how do you even know that you're saved? You know, listen, I mean, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I know I'm saved because I went up front one time and I prayed with the preacher and I repeated a a sinner's prayer. I can't believe you trust a man that much in the first place. I'm not trusting any man with my eternal salvation. So if you don't know why you're saved and how you're saved and can't go to the Bible and find it, You should be concerned. You should be a little bit afraid. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't take anybody's words for it. If somebody can talk you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. And again, in America, it's very easy for us to just blend in and become comfortable. And that's exactly what these Christians, these believers had done in in the church at Laodicea. Here's a, here's, a, here's a stern warning to all of us when it comes to losing Jesus and just the danger of Christmas itself. And that is, if it was possible for Joseph and Mary to lose Jesus, if it were possible for them to lose Jesus in the midst of a spiritual celebration, if it were possible for this entire church in the book of Revelation to be in a backslidden condition and not know it, what makes you think you and I are any different than them? Amen? So, who, who, did, who, did, uh, who lost Jesus? Where did we lose Jesus? Here's the third thing. The third thing is, how may we lose Jesus? Look at verse 44. It says, But they, who's they? Joseph and Mary. But they, supposing him to have been in their company, went a day's journey. In other words, they just assumed that he was with them. You know, they just, said, they just took it for granted because, you know what, that, that they traveled there with Jesus, that he was still with them. I mean, there's a lot of people... That, that, and it concerns me. And I'm not trying to be harsh or condemning or, 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 or mean in any way whatsoever. But there's a lot of people that, that I know that feel like that they are all right with God. But there's not 1% of biblical fruit of the Spirit in their life. You know, there, I know people that, that come to church, but they have never, ever truly had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, that, you know, that they have come, and and I'm glad that people that are lost can come, and they feel welcome, and they feel included, and and I want to be a church that that is welcoming, and inviting, and loving, and all those things, but what good would it be if they come, and they stay in this condition, and die in that condition, and go to hell? I mean, it's important that, that we all evaluate where we are. 
So how do we lose Jesus? It's very easy. You just assume that you've got it together. I mean, I wonder how many of you right now are uh, you're just assuming that, that, that you and Jesus are like this, but in reality, you haven't talked to him in a year. You know, I wonder how many of us are here that we assume that things are right between me and God, but you know what? You haven't even read your Bible in a year. Or the only time you pray is when you come to church or when you bless your food or any time that you read is when you come and you follow along with the stuff on the board and, and, and you just say, okay, I, I've read today. Listen, if that is what your relationship with God consists of, you don't have one. I, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be honest. I mean, I have a responsibility to tell you the truth and not lie to you and just try to make you feel good about, you know, your relationship with God. It's important that we, every single day, we evaluate, that we look and see where are we with God. Because, again, we sometimes feel like that we're doing okay, and most people will think and assume that they're all right. I would rather you assume that you're not all right and find out that you are than to assume that you are all right and find out that you're not. I mean, that, that's the way that I view things. Because if you view it the first way, that, that you're not all right and find out you are, you've not lost anything. But if you view it the other way where you think that you're all right and find out you're not, you've lost everything. And so, again, this all happens in, 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 during the Passover. This all happens during a spiritual celebration. This all happens, in, I mean, you can actually backslide being at church this morning. Now, now, how did they lose Jesus? How did they lose Jesus? They walked away from him one step at a time. There was no major event. They didn't get church hurt. You know, they, they, they didn't go to the bar. They didn't commit some horrible, sinful act that would drive them away. You know, they weren't living in secret sin. They weren't false converts. These folks, his parents, Mary and Joseph, they walked away from Jesus one step at a time. It is just that easy. I wonder, you know, and I ask myself this. From time to time, I did it during this time that I was off. From time to time, I ask myself, am I really as close to God as I say I am? Do I really know God as much as I say I do? Am I really what I say that I am? Because I see a lot of people, they come to church and they get saved by grace and paralyzed by it at the same time. But they don't continue to see life change. You know, the Bible says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, notice what that scripture says. There, when it comes to your relationship with God, there is no place of neutrality. You can't be neutral with Jesus. If you're straddling the fence, get off the fence because the devil owns the fence. That verse of scripture gives us, only gives us two options. He says, you either be conformed or you will be transformed. If you're not being continually transformed, you will ultimately conform. You will either go back to the way you were. You'll start doing... Remember when you first got saved, you were so sensitive to God that you didn't want to look at anything. You didn't want to say anything. You didn't want to do anything that you thought might would be hurtful or, or, or sinful or upsetting to God. But then you would allow yourself to, 
to watch some things or you would allow yourself to do some things. You'd allow yourself to say some things. And you would experience conviction, but you wouldn't experience the consequences immediately. And sometimes we think that, you know, that, that delayed judgment is denied judgment. You know, the Bible says that, that because judgment is delayed, the wicked feel and believe that they're able to get off scot-free. That's just not true. Just because judgment and consequences don't happen immediately doesn't mean that eventually that it will. Moses said, be sure and know that your sin will find you out. So it's important that we, we evaluate that. You know, how did they lose Jesus? They lost Jesus by just assuming. Now, look at these scriptures. You know, some people say, you should never, you know, have people question their salvation. Now, again, there was a time in my life when I believed that you could be saved today and lost tomorrow. I mean, I come out of a lot of legalism, okay? And, and, and I, there was a time in my life where I believed that if, if I was driving down the road and I had some ungodly thought in my mind and that I, I didn't repent and I drove around the curve and I hit somebody head on and I died, that I would go to hell. That's completely wrong. Listen, that, that's bondage. It made trying to serve Jesus an impossibility, a burden. You know, it was a difficult thing. But it's important to know that even though that, that is not the, the kind of perspective that we need to have about life, that it is very easy for us to walk away from Jesus and enter into a place where we're backslidden and not even know it. But here's what the Bible says. It, it says in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourself. Church people want to examine others. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if, if, if you come to church and you're focused on what everybody else is doing, then, you know, the truth is you're not where you need to be with the Lord. You know, or you hear a message preaching, you say, listen, I know exactly who they're talking about. I mean, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, listen, man, I know you were talking to me during that message because when you were preaching that, you looked straight in my eyes. I'm thinking, I have no idea where you were sitting at, bro. You know, I have no idea. But the awesome thing about it was, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for the work of the... If you reach a place where you're no longer getting convicted, you should be very afraid. It's important. It says, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. If Mary and Joseph would have just stopped for a moment in all the busyness of trying to rush back and get back home and evaluated whether Jesus was with him, you know what? They would have never lost him in the first place. Some of you, that's what God's saying you need to do this morning. You need to take a minute, and you just need to examine yourself. You know, where are you in your relationship with God? Where do you stand with your... Do you have a genuine relationship with God? Look what it says here in 2 Peter 1.10. It says, Therefore, my, bro my brethren... Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. What's that saying? What's Peter saying? He's saying, listen, when it comes to salvation, you better know and know that you know. You better be 100% sure that you are right with God. Nobody's going to make it to heaven on accident. You're not going to get to heaven and go, ooh, I made it. That's not what the Bible says. It says, this is how you know that you've come 
from death unto life, that you love the brethren. You will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And so you can know, if you're here this morning and you don't have 100% assurance that things are right between you and God, that if you were to die today, be thrust out into eternity, that you don't know where you would spend eternity, if you don't have that kind of assurance, I want to I plead with you. Make sure you know before you leave. Why, why would you even want to risk it We're all just one heartbeat away. We're all just one breath away. We're all just one day away. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but have you noticed that 10 out of 10 people die? That the mortality rate's hovering right around 100%. And the Bible says that death is an appointed time. It's appointed for for one man to die, and then comes the judgment. We know it's coming. But we procrastinate and we put it off and we just suppose maybe that, that we're all right. In reality, we're, we're not. I mean, you can sing, you can preach, you can come to church, you can lead a small group and think to yourself that I'm good and then not be. Now, now here, Judges 16, 20 is probably the most terrifying scripture I've ever read in the Bible. Well, at least one of them. This is talking about Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. He was separated to God. He judged Israel for 20 years. The Spirit of God would come on him. He'd done incredible things. God had called him in his mother's womb. An angel appeared and and told his mother that that, that she was going to have a son and that he was going to be a Nazarite. And, And all the things that go along with that kind of sanctification and separation to God. And that was the destiny of Samson. Samson was going to be set apart. Samson was going to be used mightily by God. And in the beginning of his life, he was. But then he began to just play games. He began to dabble into sin. He began to go get into involved with wrong relationships. And then ultimately, he, he, you know, he was with Delilah. And we know the story of, of Samson and Delilah. And after she had deceived the man twice, and and this is, I I just read it this week. And while I was reading that, after she had deceived him, he had withheld from her the reason and the source of his strength. And she had deceived him twice. And finally, the Bible says, after she had nagged on him so long, he eventually told her the secrets of his heart. And then he paid dearly for that. I mean, how do, you, how do you reach a place where you're so deceived that you think that you can manipulate circumstances to the point where regardless of what you do and what you don't do, you're going to be okay? I mean, yeah, this, is, this, is, this is the danger of Christmas. This is the danger of, of, of Jesus not being the center focus of your life, not just this season, but every single day, like Clay said. But it says this, The Spirit of the Lord had departed from him, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I mean, to me, that's terrifying. I mean, how in the world could we not know that somebody as big as God is had departed from us. I mean, if you grab a hold of a, of a 220 wire, guess what? You're going to feel that, right? 
It may even leave a permanent reminder not to ever do that again. Now, how can we say or how can people say that they have had an encounter with God who is far more powerful than a 220 live wire and then all of a sudden not know that he's no longer there? I want, I want you to think about this. Not, not so that you can feel bad or feel condemned, but to be alert. Maybe, maybe that's me. Maybe that's where I'm at. Maybe I'm just, I come and I preach. I mean, I could, I mean, the scary, I mean, I could come up here and preach. And backslide. It happens all the time. You can come to church and sit where you sit every Sunday and backslide. It happens all the time. You can get up here and sing uh, on the worship team and backslide. It happens all the time. You can, lead a sm- you can be in a leadership position and backslide. It happens all the time. It won't happen to me. You can be raised in church and backslide. It happens all the time. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to finish up. How can we find Jesus again? Verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Where did they find Jesus? Right where they left him. Where where did they find Jesus? Right where they left him. Where will you find Jesus? Right where you left him. But they had to do something. They had to repent because the Bible says that they returned. That's what the word repent means. Repent means to make a turn around and walk the exact opposite way of where you were walking in the first place. It means to change your mind. It means to come to the place and come to your senses where you're saying, you know what I'll do? Like the prodigal son, I will arise and I will go to my father. See, change didn't happen until the prodigal son came to his senses. And change won't happen to you until you come to your senses, till you're at the point where you realize, hey, maybe I'm not where I need to be with God. And, and I don't want this Christmas season to be a season in your life where you end up being farther away from God than you were this time last year. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you closer to God right now than you were this time last year? If you're not, that's called backsliding. And I'm not saying that you've lost your salvation. I'm saying you are drifting farther and farther and farther away, but yet you're still here. You're still coming to church. You're still doing what you know that, you, that you've always done. And you just, like Samson, he said, I will just shake myself and go out just like before. And that's what we do on Sunday morning. We, we wake up. We put our clothes on. We shake ourselves. And we just return back to church like we did last Sunday, thinking everything's all right. Yet he didn't know that he was left. Then go ahead and come to music. If you were on fire for Jesus at one time in your life and now you're not, 
If Jesus was real to you at one time in your life, and now he's not, if you once felt conviction over things that were wrong, and now you're not, if, if you do not have a conscious awareness of the presence of Jesus in your life, friend, you're in a backslidden state. And I'm not saying that you should live under an open heaven. And I'm not saying that you should be seeing angels ascending and descending. And I'm not saying that you should be seeing visions. And I'm not saying that you should be experiencing all these supernatural things on a daily basis. But if you don't wake up in the morning and with a real genuine, sincere heart saying, Jesus, I need you more today than I did yesterday. And then do something to get closer, you're backslidden. I know that's hard. But you can say you love God all you want. But desire is proven by pursuit. Desire is proven. You can't say that you love God and not pursue Him. You can't say that you really want to be close to Him and never pick up His Word. And that's the danger. And it's not just, you know, it just seems to be more dangerous during the Christmas season because we get caught up in stuff. But the danger is what can happen at Christian, Christmas can happen any other time of the year as well. And it has for some of you. The question is, what are you going to do now? Are you going to be like Mary and Joseph? Are you going to rise up and return? And go back? And if not, why? And if that doesn't concern you, then why? Because it's a very important issue in your life that has eternal ramifications well maybe you're saying you know what Donald I, I don't know where I left him I just know that you know what I'm not where I used to be with God I'm not who I used to be I don't know what happened I don't know what went wrong you know, maybe it was something simple. You know, Jesus said it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Maybe it's you just neglected your, your quiet time. Or, or, or maybe, you know what, you, you stopped being committed to, uh, to, to prayer or, or, or attending church or, or being a part of a small group. And none of those things save you, but all of them are vitally important in having a healthy relationship with God. Or maybe bitterness has crept in. Or maybe there's a... There's a hidden sin that you've tried to block out, but yet it keeps being uncovered. If, if any of those things are in your life, listen, it's futile to think that, that things are going to change for you. If it's sin, you have to confess it. You have to arise and go back. You have to return just like Mary and Joseph did. That's, it's called repentance. Where will you find Jesus? You'll find him right where you left him. And if you don't have a clue where that's at, I believe this. If you'll just be honest before God and say, Lord, 
I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know where I went astray. I don't know where things have changed. And I've said that prayer many times. A regular basis. And I said, if you say it, and you mean it sincerely and genuinely, he'll show you. I promise he'll show you. Stand with me. Would you just take a moment? Just close your eyes and bow your heads. Nobody walking around, please. Just be reverent to the Holy Spirit. And right there, right where you're at, would you just take a moment this morning and just come honest and transparent before the Lord? Would you just take 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and take a minute and just examine yourself and just begin to pray in your own way. Lord, search me. Know me. See if there be any wicked thing in me. And lead me into the place of life. I believe if you do that, he'll answer you. But it can't be a half-hearted thing. Where did Mary and Joseph find Jesus? Where they left him. But they had to return to the very place. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. He's after all of your heart, not part of you, not a percentage of you, not an aspect, an element of you. He is after all of you. It's all or nothing. Those who follow Jesus, he said, you have to forsake all and follow me. So while you're doing that, let me ask you a question. Do you have 100% assurance that if you were to die today, that things are right between you and God and that you would spend eternity in heaven with Him forever? If you don't, then I'm going to plead with you today and make sure you do. Why? Because He said, above all, brethren, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Know and know that you know. Leave nothing unturned. Leave no question answered. Leave nothing hidden. Throw it all out. If you're here this morning and you don't know, or you do know that you're lost, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me? I'm lost this morning and I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Maybe you're here. And and, and you're like the the believers in the, the church of Laodicea. You think things are fine. But somewhere along this message, the Holy Spirit has been saying, I'm talking to you here. You're not who you used to be. You're not what you used to be. And He's calling you out of that. He's calling you out of lukewarmness. And He's calling you out of being backslidden. He's calling you out of being apathetic and indifferent and just going through the motions. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. We're just all being transparent before God. Today, if God's dealing with you as they sing and as they play, in any way, if you're unsure about your salvation, if you're in a backslidden place, if you're lukewarm, if you're ready for change, as they sing and as they play, 
find you a place to pray at this altar. You'll seek him and you'll find him when you search for him with all your heart. He'll be found of you.